With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to Bucketheads, episode 21 of Lane Grant Holy Lands College Basketball Podcast. My name is Connor Lamans, and shortly you'll also hear from my co-host Justin Golba as we talk a little bit about where Ohio State men's basketball stands as far as their shutdown and perhaps something to look forward to this weekend. Um, but first, just a reminder, subscribe um, on whatever platform you're, you're hearing this on. Follow us on the Spotify app or, or whatever people do when they use Apple Music, which is the black sheep of the, the music streaming world. Um, Justin, how are we doing today? I'm good. I'm just excited for you know some college hoops conference play to start ramping up. You know, Once we get into January, that's really the only thing to look forward to because January is a garbage month. So, um, getting excited for that. Well, last week we talked um, a little basketball. Also talked about Spider-Man quite a bit um, because two games in a row were canceled. But we knew last week that this week we'd have some basketball to talk about because they have a game Tuesday. And unfortunately, that game was canceled too as the guys continue to recover from COVID-19 and Holtman tries to just get um, enough bodies to, to field together a team. Super bad timing because we like published an article that was like, there was a report the pre on Monday night that was like, yep, they're ready to go. They're going to play tomorrow night. And then Tuesday mor- morning, we were like, yep, they're ready to go. They're going to play. And then it got canceled. Yeah. It seemed all the way up until it got canceled. that It was good to go. I guess that's kind of how life works. But um, also to clarify, the team is no longer on a pause from COVID. They are practicing every day. They're gearing up to play basketball. They're getting back in you know, shape and conditioning and whatnot. The problem is just how many guys are practicing because of the mandatory 10-day resting period. Guys have to take if they test positive. So once that positive test comes back, they have to quarantine. That's a mandatory 10 days away from everybody. Uh, so the reason their most recent game was canceled was simply because they did not have enough players to practice and they weren't ready to play. Um, not because additional players were testing positive or the outbreak was getting worse. They just simply weren't ready to get on the court for on Tuesday. Right. And I think 
I think that some people are confused about that. Like a lot of angry people like on Facebook and Twitter and stuff are like pounding their fists at the sky. Like, why are they testing all these healthy college kids? Why are we testing these healthy asymptomatic college kids for COVID? There's no point. Um, they only tested all the everybody because they had a couple, they had a player who was actually like sick, sick. And once, once they tested everybody, you know, they had a couple more positives and it sounds like additional guys like plural who were like ill, not just asymptomatic test positive, but were actually ill. So that's why they had to test everybody. And the games aren't being canceled because like you said, they're not like, Oh, we still have guys that are popping positive tests. Now it's like, everybody has to sit out 10 days if you test positive. And since they didn't all test positive on the same day, it was like staggered. I'm assuming um, different guys are able to get back to, to playing, you know, get, to get back to practicing at different days. And basically what Holtman said was we haven't had a team practice in two weeks. So he said, it didn't really seem fair to these guys to like take my six healthy players who haven't practiced in two weeks throw them out there against new orleans and say hey you guys i do need all of all six of you to play like 35 minutes today and win the game even though we haven't really done any cardio or practice in two freaking weeks yeah and a lot of teams are going through that right now i know the acc just came out with their kind of seven and one rule which means if you have seven active players and one active coach you're playing um i know seton hall plays tonight we're recording this on wednesday night so when you're listening last night uh but they've only had two practices in the past two weeks according to jeff goodman so it's just kind of it's kind of a mess out there right now what do they have providence yeah they've been they play providence who's a decent enough team to where you know that's going to be interesting to see how they play and then you know you have all these kids coming back from whatever family event they went to you know they went home for christmas now they're coming back and they're going to start being tested um it's going to be very interesting to see just how many schools go on cancellation. A lot of conferences are trying to adapt to it, um, changing their protocols and whatnot. But it's kind of it's, it's going to be very interesting to see over the next two weeks just how many basketball games really get played. Yeah. And I guess one thing that um, actually Adam Jardy from the Dispatch pointed out, and actually it wasn't even Jardy, it was Holtman himself that said it on the, his radio show was, since all the players are vaccinated and they're probably all going to get, well, I shouldn't say they're all going to get booster shots. Holtman is telling them they should, but they're not going to force them to since they're all vaccinated. And now a handful of them have had, have actually caught COVID and a couple have gotten sick, probably aren't going to have another problem, at least not on Ohio state's end for the rest of the season. Cause it will be very, very shocking to see like this team have to shut down again with sick players when pretty much everybody's had the shot and tested positive or have actually gotten sick. So you'd have your, you've been vaccinated and some of them will already have been sick. So your body's going to recognize that virus too. Um, So I guess one silver lining is probably aren't going to have any issues, at least on the Ohio state side of this for the rest of the season. Now that they've already gone through it once. And if you're going to go through it, I guess I'd rather have UT Martin and new Orleans canceled than like Illinois and Michigan. Yeah, and if people remember, and Ohio State never had an outbreak last year, but they did miss some games because of other teams. Around this time last year, it, the college basketball went through the same exact thing. Games were getting canceled every single day. Granted, there wasn't a vaccination yet, so it was a little more murky. But um, Ohio State specifically didn't have an issue with COVID. But 
some teams they did play did. I remember was it Penn State? Got, Penn State did. Yeah, they got, missed a big a long yeah, missed, a long stretch. Yeah, there was a lot of teams that missed a lot of time. But then once you got into kind of January and February, some teams were still missing games, but for the most part, it kind of evened itself out. I'm expecting the same thing to happen once guys get back on December is just a weird time because you're doing so much traveling with even non-basketball activities because you're going home. A lot of teams are traveling for tournaments, like holiday tournaments and stuff. So um, you're just coming off traveling in November because you have all those the preseason tournaments in different places. You know, Ohio State went to Florida, as we all know. So, you know, it's kind of a weird time. January, February is when you kind of get back into, yes, you're still traveling, but you're only traveling to certain games and then back home. I think it'll even out a little better. And like you said, all these teams that are going on pause right now aren't going to go on pause again. You know, they're not going to have – it's not like a football team where you can have multiple outbreaks with multiple – because you got 70, 80 guys to worry about. You're really worrying about, you know, 13 players and a handful of people that are on the team every day. Um, Right. Like assistant coaches, equipment, whatever, managers, whatever the case may be. Um, So, you know, they should be able – once they get back on the court – which it seems like Sunday they will be able to. Um, so once they get back on the court, I think it'll start to kind of even itself out. And even tonight, you know, there's a couple, like as I say, this as you're listening to this, it'll be last night, Wednesday night. Um, there's a lot of big games, LSU-Auburn, Seton Hall-Providence, uh, Tennessee's playing Alabama. All these games are being played, you know, so that that's a good that's a good sign for the future. Yeah, and the, the CDC – did reduce um, yesterday. They reduced, like, if you're asymptomatic, so if you test positive but you don't feel sick, you don't have any symptoms, they did reduce, I guess, the isolation period from 10 to 5 days. Um, the Big Ten hasn't done that yet, but even before the CDC made that change, Chris Holtman did talk on the radio about, you know, he's he was hoping that the Big Ten would look at changing that so that players who are asymptomatic and test positive um, don't have to sit out 10 days just like the sick players. Um which I'm not a doctor, so I guess that's up to interpretation of what you, you know, it's up to interpretation of you think that's good or not. But there's definitely a difference between an asymptomatic 22-year-old kid who feels fine that's just carrying it versus um, an actual very sick, you know, 21, 22-year-old male who could be coughing and sneezing and, you know, this all over people. So they may change that rule. Probably isn't going to impact Ohio State that much because they probably aren't going to have this problem again um, this season, but other teams, it might, um, like you said, needing seven or eight players, it could impact how many players are available for teams. Um, Chris Holtman said that on Sunday night when they had their first practice, they basically had four players and Kalen Etzler, which he didn't say Kalen Etzler, but he did say the fifth guy was ineligible to play this season. And that's just Kalen Etzler. Yeah, that's that's one guy. (laughs) So clearly they had four players healthy plus Kalen Etzler. Like we were talking last week, we were like, oh, it's just, you know, two or three. It's not really an outbreak. It sounds like as the week progressed, a lot of guys tested positive because if they're only practicing with four guys and Kalen Etzler, that's like nine dudes who are unavailable. Yeah, and and we don't know, obviously, with Suing and Towns, you know, since they're they're not unavailable, they're unavailable right now, you know. Not right, they're general, available to practice, yeah, which meant they could have been at the practice, but clearly they're not playing in the games yet, yeah. So, and then I mean, and look, a lot of people are going to be worried about this team heading into you know January. We thought they were going to get a little bit of kind of I don't want to call it easy games heading into conference play, but games they need to, they should win with UT Martin and um New Orleans. Now they're just heading into conference play, but 
as we've talked about a couple of times on this show, their conference, their start to their conference schedule isn't that brutal. It's not like they're starting with Michigan State, Illinois, Purdue. They go on Sunday, they play at Nebraska, and Nebraska right now is just the only real way to word it. It's a garbage fire. Um, Thursday, they play at Indiana, which that's kind of a toss-up game, but only because it's at Indiana. Indiana has significantly underperformed this year, in my opinion. Um, they just, they've looked good at times and they've looked really bad at times. Then the next, the following Sunday, they get Northwestern. Then they go at Wisconsin versus Penn state versus Nebraska at Minnesota. And that's pretty much January. That is about honest. Honestly, that's about as easy of a big 10 schedule as you can get, um, with the way this, with the way the teams are this year. So they're going to have some time to kind of get back into the swing of things a little bit. Um, and it's going to start Sunday at Nebraska and, like I said, when it comes to Big Ten teams, I don't. No game is easy, but you should beat Nebraska. Yeah, I mean, in their first however many games, like their first eight conference games, you get two Penn State games, two Nebraska games, Minnesota, a Northwest, a Northwestern game, um, a Minnesota game, and Minnesota. And I, only- I do want to point out Minnesota's a little weird right now because we expect them to be really bad, but they're kind of playing really good. Back, they're they're not good. But they did just beat Michigan, so they're kind of in a weird they're they're in a weird flux right now where I don't really know what Minnesota is, but they're still not supposed to be good. So we'll go with that. I still think they're a trash can. Um, too, but but shout out Minnesota for getting some AP votes. Yeah, I mean they're um, they got some AP votes. Like, you yeah. kind of have no choice when they're ten and one, but they are still seventieth in Ken Palm. Um I still I still think that they're like definitely bad. I still think they're Maybe they won't come in 14th place because Nebraska's looking pretty bad, but maybe, maybe they'll like come in 13th place. But they're, they're bad. The point is you got two Nebraska games, two Penn State games, two Wisconsin games, which I'm not sold on Wisconsin still, a pretty tough Indiana game, um, a game at home against Northwestern, a Minnesota game that is that a home game against Minnesota. That's, that's, a rough a, that's at the barn. So anything's and possible at the barn. but Anything's possible on the road in the Big Ten, period. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but your, your point is that – it's better that Ohio State is going to go from being ice cold. They're going to walk into Nebraska and then have like Northwestern and stuff. Games that even when your team hasn't been practicing together, you think that just the sheer advantage of being that much more talented should hopefully give them some wins. Probably will lose the game at Indiana, if I had to guess. But definitely, you know, they'll definitely have a chance to beat Indiana. They are a better team than Indiana but it'll be a tough road environment. But the point is, you know, they're walking into a pretty easy start to the schedule. So the hope is that they can work the kinks out against some of those teams. And when you get into February, they'll be you know, ready to rock and roll against Illinois and, and Michigan and Indiana again and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the flip side of it is when you say, Hey, January is pretty easy. That means February probably isn't. And it's not February is really tough for them. So, but I like that a lot more. I like them to have those tough games heading into the comp heading into you know, March or March Madness. Um, to give you a little bit of insight also on Nebraska, just because they're the next game, their last five games, starting with at Indiana, they lost by 13. Then they went put Michigan at home, they lost by 35 to a struggling Michigan team. Let's not act like Michigan's a top 10 team in the country. Michigan's struggling, they lost by 35. They lost by 30 to Auburn. So that's two games in a row they lost by 30 or more points. Then they played Kansas State, they lost by 10. That was at home, and Kansas State's not a good team. And then they beat Kennesaw State, God forbid, by 14. So they are coming off a win. I guess that's the only good thing you could say to them. But, I mean, that's about as brutal of a five-game stretch as you can have in terms of just results. So 
you know, this is a game Ohio State just needs to simply put at this point, we're in January, like the excuses are gone. You just got to win this game. And you probably can't have it be close. I'm not going to say you can't have it be close because conference play is tricky. It's the first, you know, first game of the year of the literal year, calendar year, you know, and, and you're on the road. So, you know, close is kind of not a factor. You just got to win. And that's that's kind of where they're at right now. Um, and they're 2-0 and already in conference play. So, you know, they have a chance to really kind of jump out conference play, like at that 8-1, and 9-0 and kind of kind of thing, which would be amazing. Yeah, you, I mean, you're absolutely right. Like, it playing on the road in the Big Ten is always going to be the great equalizer. You know, if you're playing Nebraska at home, you're saying, like, all right, easy win. You're going on the road, though. It's like, all right, just just find a way to win the game and be done with it. Um, if you remember, and I'm trying to find um, the exact score, didn't when Baylor came out of their COVID lockout last year for a while, didn't they lose to Iowa State like right at the beginning last year? And Iowa State won two games last season. They had a bad loss. I forget who. Um, maybe it was Iowa State. But then – they no, went, they beat Iowa they State. Perfect. Then they went they, perfect. They were losing at half, and they lost. They ended up winning by about ten points. So they had oh, a very wow. close game against Iowa State, a very very bad Iowa State team last year, who was much better this year. Um, much better. But that's kind of the thing is once they haven't played for that long, you still think that even if these guys don't play basketball for like two months, you should be able to put them on the floor against Nebraska and just say like you're so much more talented than them. Like you guys don't even need to be conditioned right now to play basketball, to beat these guys. Like it's a game they, if they lose, it'll be blamed on the break, but it's really a game they can't lose. They, they cannot lose that game. No, especially because like I said, you know, you're inevitably going to lose some games, but they're not going to go 20 and 0 in conference. Um, and in February, you look at it, they go, well, Purdue is January 30th. That's at Purdue. So we'll just, so from January 30th on, they go at Purdue, Iowa, Maryland, at Rutgers, at Michigan, Minnesota, Indiana, at Illinois, at Maryland, Michigan State, Michigan. That's the rest of their schedule there. So that's not easy in any stretch of the imagination. They do get lucky. The schedule in general is just kind of lucky. They only play Maryland once. They only play Michigan State once. Um, they get Michigan both times later in the season. You know, so oh, actually they played Maryland twice. I apologize. Um, they only get Purdue once. They get Purdue once. That's what it is. Purdue and Michigan State once. So, you know, that – I mean, that's fortunate in and of itself. Um, but still, you know, they just have to avoid the bad loss, which would be the Nebraska, the Northwestern – the Penn, well, not Northwestern, but the Penn State, the Minnesota maybe. You know, that bad loss that really kind of can spiral your season. You know, keep when, when the games are supposed to win – maybe steal a couple down the road against a Michigan State or Purdue or something. I don't really know what is stealing in the Big Ten right now because I don't know who's – every team has been good and bad, including Purdue. So I would say at Purdue is definitely a steal if they could win that. But other than that, you have to figure they're going to have a chance in every single game. So Yeah, I mean, you want to win all the, the gimmies against the bad teams, especially at home. And then I think generally if you can split the tough games, it's, you'll probably take that, especially if they're close, like if they're like only a couple days in between them. Um, it'll be interesting to see how many losses the Big Ten champ has because I'm guessing it'll be Purdue. But would you be shocked if Purdue had three conference losses? Like I, I wouldn't be. They've already got one. Would you be shocked if they lost two of their final 
you know, 18 games, that means three conference losses. Is it three or four? Usually the Big Ten champs are around three or four losses. Yeah, they're normally like 15 and three or something like that. So, you know, we'll see. So, I mean, it, it just depends with Purdue. Purdue, on the flip side, does not have an easy start to conference schedule. They play Wisconsin on Monday the 3rd. Then they go uh, Penn State, Michigan, Nebraska, Illinois, Indiana. So it's kind of like, I mean, they got a couple in there they should win, Penn State, Nebraska, but they got to go to Michigan, to Illinois. They got to play Wisconsin, who has, you know, Ohio State kind of got lucky with, not lucky, but, you know, Wisconsin didn't have the best game against them. Wisconsin's still a team that can pull out some wins. They beat Houston. Um, I don't know the status of Johnny Davis. He didn't play in the last game. So that's obviously a big deal because I've never seen a team rely on this. I mean, Wisconsin might have the number one most reliance on a player in college basketball this year. With they They're just two completely different teams with and without Johnny Davis. tonight or did they uh, play tomorrow? They I think play, they play Illinois. They play tonight, Illinois State. So it would be last night for people listening. Yeah. Okay. And he's not, and he's not playing right now? He didn't play the last game. I don't know if he's playing tonight. I haven't checked. I'll check real quick. But uh, he didn't play the last game against like – Nickel State or, you know, the, whatever game they just struggled in, he didn't play. Um, so, and I don't think oh. they played since then. Oh, they play at eight o'clock. I'm not. I'm not sure. She could find it on Twitter. Uh, he's 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 back. He's back. He's back tonight. So so that's a that's bit that's obviously huge for him. But you know we'll 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 just see if uh kind of Wisconsin's a team that I think they could compete with anybody, but I also think they can lose to anybody. So they're going to be kind of very interesting to watch, but. Like I said, like back to my original point, just, you know, Purdue's schedule isn't easy to start, so we'll kind of get a good gauge on them. I mean, Michigan State has had a good start to their season, but they just, today, they played Holy Cross, and they pretty much were even with them throughout most of the game. That's not a great team. So, you know, it's nothing would surprise were, me this year in college basketball. Michigan State was missing, I think, five guys, though, who all had yeah. COVID, which I don't understand how well, they were missing. They're, Go ahead. I was just gonna, I, I know for sure they were missing Max Christie. Um, yeah, the they're missing. I think out. four. I think they're missing four players, and I just I'm wondering how they're continuing to play with four guys out with COVID. Like, did everybody else? I, I don't know. I don't yeah, know how that no works. And Ohio State gets like two positive tests, and it, it all shuts down. And, and Michigan State's out four or five guys, and they're still playing. I, I don't know how that works, but yeah, that's um, where it gets, it gets murky to me too. I have no idea. I, I yeah, I'm really not sure. But Michigan State, they just. They don't have anybody on that team that jumps out at me like I'm I'm scared of that guy like that's their guy and they haven't really had a guy like that to me in two years since they had Cassius Winston like even Aaron Henry really didn't concern me that much Michigan State just hasn't played too many super tough games I'm pretty sure they beat I think they beat like Louisville I think they might have beat Marquette without looking at their schedule um but those are like outside of ken palm's top 50 those are like good teams like tournament teams but not by any means like wow that's a really good win um i want to see michigan state play ohio state or purdue or illinois like that's that'll those will be the games that'll teach us how good michigan state is yeah i mean they lost to kansas start the season by 13 but that was the you know the champions classic and i still think kansas is one of the better teams in the country um you know they lost to baylor but Baylor has looked like, again, one of the best teams in the country. So, you know, they beat Louisville, they beat UConn, they beat Minnesota, they beat Penn State. Kind of like Ohio State, they didn't have – their two opening conference games weren't tough. They played Minnesota and Penn State. Those are two games they should win, and they did. Um, so you know, the thing about Michigan State that I don't know if it scares me or doesn't scare me 
is the fact that probably everybody on their team is underperforming right now, and they're still eleven and two. So if if they can figure, they have a very good team, you know, with Tyson Walker coming in and running the point. AJ Hogard's been good. Uh, Gabe Brown has really expanded his skill set. I was watching him today. He's stepping into threes and everything. Like he's and he's always been able to do that, but he's doing it more consistently now, kind of like EJ Liddell, uh, which is I mean he's a, he's a talented talented player. You know, and then you have a Joey Hauser who just has never been what he's supposed to be at Michigan State. You know, if those guys can really figure it out, that's probably a top eight team in the country. But right now, I can see them losing pretty much any game in the Big Ten again just because they have a lot of guys who are really good, but they're not performing at the level they should be. So right. and they're not like, they're not if, deep. They're not deep at all. So that's that's another thing. It's like if those dudes if those dudes played to their max ceiling, maybe they're like a top eight team in the country. Like yeah, exactly. Joey Hauser, like um, Gabe Brown and, and the other guys, Malik Hall, I believe. Yeah. Malik Hall. They're probably like comparable to like maybe justice suing ceiling. I would even argue that maybe justice suing is a little better than both of those guys, but I also, I could be biased. Anyway, I would say like, they're probably comparable to justice suing. Now imagine if justice suing was Ohio state's best player, you're probably not feeling too great about that team. I just, I just don't see any guys in that Michigan State team that like jump out at me like oh like he's he's their guy like when they need a bucket he's their guy they have like they have like Gabe Brown and Malik Hall who will both score like 10 11 points per game they have Max Christie who was supposed to be like a superstar and I'm pretty sure he's averaging like 8 points a game um they have that one kid Marble who's like I feel like he's been on the team for like three or four years and never really has amounted to, to anything as great as he was supposed to be. And I'm not trying to like shit on these guys. I just don't know if Michigan State has like a guy that's like a go get a bucket type of guy. The Hauser twin that they got the transferred in has never been as good as he was supposed to be. Yeah. Um, I'm just not sold on them as like a, I think they're a tournament team. I think we agree on that. I'm not sold on them as like a Big Ten championship contender though. I would say at this point, I'm, I'm probably sold on. You could probably convince me on five teams that could be Big Ten champions if Purdue doesn't take just run away with it. If it is open, I'd say, and I'd say Michigan State is one of those teams. Um, the problem is with them. Well, and the thing about them in March is I'll, I'll always trust the Tom Izzo team in March. That's the thing. Last year I was even surprised they lost in the first four, and that was one of his weaker teams ever. So you know. Tyson Walker coming in was supposed to be that guy. He transferred from Northeastern. He averaged like 18 a game last year. He hasn't quite been there yet, but if he can find his footing, he'll be that guy for them. Um, it's just, you know, we've had this conversation about transfers a couple of times now. There's a lot of really good ones in the Big Ten, and they're all being handled kind of a different way. And we're kind of seeing all of them handle it a different way um, being in the Big Ten. So, you know, Tyson Walker is just another one of those guys. So it, it'll be interesting to see come February, kind of where teams are leading up. He's good. I mean, Tyson Walker's a good assist guy. I don't think he's scoring or shooting the ball nearly as much as he did. I think he came from Northeastern is where he played yeah. before. Yeah, he, um, he averaged 18 a game last year. He's not do, he, That's not his role this year on this team. But, I mean, he can average. You know, he did average that last year. Kind of like, I mean, it's kind of like Cedric Russell at Ohio State. Tyson Walker plays more. Honestly, but, he's kind of putting up 
stats very similar to Jamar Wheeler. He's putting up looks like seven points, six assists, two rebounds, one and a half rebounds. Sorry. Yeah, that's the difference between him and Wheeler. Right there is the rebounds. He's shooting sixty-two percent from three-point range, but he's only taking one and a half per game, so he hasn't shot a ton. But I mean, forty-two percent from the forty. Yeah, right. Forty-two percent from the field is acceptable. Sixty-two percent from three, obviously, very good. Um, I think you take that any day of the week. Jamari Wheeler and Cedric Russell don't need to be scorers for Ohio State to be good because Ohio State has EJ Liddell to be that to be that guy. Yeah, there's no EJ Liddell in Michigan State. Exactly, exactly. Michigan, like the thing with Michigan State is like you know Tyson Walker is not that guy. It's not his role. Like okay, well then whose role is it to be the big score? They don't they don't really have one. So you'd think that maybe he. I I, I don't know. I'm just not sold on them as like a Big Ten. Uh, a challenger for like the big 10 title i would say right now for me it's probably purdue by itself and then ohio state I, I, like cautiously we'll see how they look when they play this week um i just think purdue is far and away the best team and when i close my eyes like i really can't picture anybody other than purdue winning the big 10 i can't either i and i've been saying that the entire time i think there's there's a tier one and to be very honest let's be candid to start the season i had two teams there purdue and michigan Obviously, and a lot of people had Michigan up there. Don't you know? It wasn't just me, but um, Michigan has since obviously fallen from that tier. They've fallen a couple of tiers now, and rest Purdue is peace. kind of yeah. Rest in peace to Michigan because I don't know what the what's going on over there. But um, um, when he, in terms of Purdue, they're still on that tier one, and then tier two would probably be your Ohio State, Michigan State, Illinois, and that's probably it. Unless you want to put Michigan up there, um, you know. Record wise, Minnesota, but I'm not ready to do that. So, you know, it's, I mean, Gabe Brown is that guy for them. He's averaging 15 a game, but he's not, I mean, you're not putting him in the national contender, you know, national player of the year contender list, which is where you're putting Purdue's Jay Nivey, or you're putting Kofi Coburn for Illinois, or EJ Liddell for Ohio State. All these other top teams have that player of the year contender. You could argue Purdue has two. Um, you know, Michigan State doesn't have that. And I think that's what's going to probably probably be there falling falling down there whatever knocks them down will probably be that just can can a guy go get you 30 when you need to win a game and you know i don't see them having that yeah i mean gate brown is like i said i'm looking at his stats and i would say yeah like output wise he's probably pretty similar to justice suing honestly if you look at all the stats 13 points a game one assist per game almost five rebounds a game he's just a little bit under 40 percent from three He's about 45% from the field. He's about 80% from like, from the free throw line. He's a good player. And yeah. on a team where maybe Michigan State still had like a Cassius Winston or a Nick Ward or one of those guys, like Gabe yeah. Brown would be a very, very good complimentary piece. Very yeah, good like, like like second guy. Exactly. I was but like we were saying about Ohio State team, before the season, before we knew who was coming back, when Dwayne Washington declared, we were like, man, if EJ Liddell goes too. His team's the cover is going to be a little bare, and that's kind of what happened to Michigan State with, um, you know, when, when Aaron Henry left and then Rocket Watts transferred out. You were kind of like, oh, that's not a that's a lot to replace. Yeah, and I completely forgot Rocket Watts. He was supposed to be he was supposed to be really good. He's I was five like star, five star. He has a really and he has a really cool name too. Yeah, he's averaging three points per game at Mississippi State this year. Yeah, he does. He barely. I think he barely plays. It's he's he's been a tough one to really nail down. Yeah, I didn't expect this to be a Michigan State podcast. We kind of crapped all over Those Michigan buttons. last time. This time we're crapping all over Michigan State, not intentionally, but I'm just, I'm just not, I'm just not sold on them as like a, 
as a, as a contender at, at this point. And AP, AP voters know that. Like, there's a reason only four Big Ten teams have been in the AP poll for the past five weeks, and it's because, like, the teams that are winning games kind of look like frauds. Like, Minnesota definitely looks like a fraud. Wisconsin is slowly being exposed as a fraud, potentially. And then you have four really good – you have four – you know, solid teams in the AP poll. Maryland has struggled. You know, Purdue, obviously, very good team. But the Big Ten just doesn't have – they only have one dominant team. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the Big Ten this year just beats the hell out of each other, honestly, um, and kind of go, kind of limps into the tournament uh, just because they all just – like I said, there's no top, top team. Uh, I, I could see Purdue, you know, kind of running the Big Ten slate if, if they play the way that we saw them play to start the season. But if they play the way they played – in that little December run, you know, they'll draw four or five games. So um, they're, they're just a weird one because again, you know, they lost to Rutgers. They almost lost to, um, who they almost lost to? North Carolina state. Yeah. NC I state. Believe. Yeah. NC state in overtime. And I watched the whole game. They should have lost. Honestly, they, they really snuck, they stole that one, but I still don't know what the weakness on that team is. You know, um, maybe, maybe a little bit of depth, but, you know, they're arguably the best player comes off the bench. So it's like, I mean, you know, it's, it's so weird with them. So, um, you know, they have the 7-3, Zach Eady, who can pretty much do what he wants. They have the the National Player of the Year candidate in Jaden Ivey. They have the sharpshooter in Sasha Stavanovich. You know, I, I just – I don't know really where – they have the young the young star in Caleb First who's kind of struggled but still is one of the better recruits that came into the conference. You know, they're just – they're really, really good. And – uh you know, we'll, Ohio State plays them once. It's January 30th, so we, they got about a month to get ready for that game. It's at Purdue, so all the bad memories from Oral Roberts will come flooding back, I'm sure. But um, it'll be very interesting for people that don't know what I'm talking about, that game that was played at Mackey Arena. So I have no idea what we're talking about anyway. Um, <laughs> they, they've been so good. And then the Rutgers game, man, they did lose on a, on a buzzer beater against Rutgers too. It's not like they got blown out. Like they, yeah. Wait, Ron game, Harper had 30 and 10. So, you know, it'd be you know, a death Ron, from him. Ron Harper misses that shot, and Purdue is still, you know, they're 13-0 they're and they're number one in the country if Ron yeah. Harper doesn't hit a half-court buzzer beater. Agreed. They've been so good, and, like, their bigs, Edie and Williams, have been so good that, honestly, like, the Jaden Ivey hype train kind of slowed down because they're talking about Edie and Travion Williams. Like, Jaden Ivey is still basically 17 points a game, five rebounds, three assists, um, as a team, Purdue is over 40% from three as a team. They shoot 51% from the floor as a team. Um, you mentioned Stefanovic. They've got four guys averaging 11 points or more. That, or maybe it's, is it five? No, it's just four guys. Ivy, Edie, Williams, Stefanovic. And then you've got half a dozen other guys that come off the bench. Brandon Newman, Caleb First, Mason Gillis, Isaiah Thompson. His older brother played at Purdue. Eric Hunter Jr., I feel like, has been at Purdue for like six years. He only That's- averages... He only averages three points a game, but I feel like he's been there forever, and he's a very good defender. They're just like there is no weakness, no. and Jaden Ivey hype train has been slowed down because of how big the how good the big guys have been. But he might be the best player in the Big Ten. Well, and that's the thing about like you just mentioned, Eric Hunter Jr. Eric Hunter Jr. starts on probably nine Big Ten teams, maybe at Ohio State. Honestly, he's their ninth. He's their ninth guy. He averages ninth, three points per game. He's right? their ninth leading scorer. But he's a star. I mean, I mean, okay, he's not a star, but he's a very, very good player. Who on, like I said, on probably eight or nine Big Ten teams as a starter. So two, that just tells you where ago, they are. Two seasons ago, let me see here. Two seasons ago, 
Eric Hunter Jr. averaged 10 points, three assists, and three rebounds per game while shooting 42% from the field and playing 32 minutes a game. This yeah, dude I'm a little surprised started, he didn't transfer, to be honest. <laughs> this dude started as a sophomore and a junior and is a good player who is still a good player, and he is their ninth leading score. He's their ninth leading scorer. But that That's also might be a small thing of like self-awareness of like, look, probably no matter where he goes, Eric Hunter Jr. is probably not an NBA prospect, you know? So maybe he's just like, look, I can play a little bit of Purdue. I know we got a solid team. We can probably make a national championship run as they're going to this year. They're going to be an, a one or two seed. So maybe he's just like, you know what? I'm cool being the eighth or ninth guy, playing 10 minutes off the bench, trying to get a ring, calling it a career. You know, I don't know. I can't speak for him, of course, but most people in his situation, especially this day and age of college basketball, we talk about all, this, all the time, probably would have transferred. So it's interesting that he didn't. Yeah, he. I mean, he's a good defender, and he scored. Very good I mean, he's, he scored a decent amount his sophomore and junior. They just have so many good players on that team. Uh, Brandon Newman is a guy that was really good as a freshman last year that I thought would take a step forward this year. But with Ivy and Stefanovic at guard, there's not really space for him to start probably until next season when both of those guys are gone. But like Brandon Newman next year will be a guy that's probably going to be like an all Big Ten type of guy because he'll be really good he was really good last year they're just they're just uh and they're and they're fun to watch if if they're on tv and ohio state's not playing you should turn them on because they're fun fun to watch the the ball doesn't stick they move the ball they're real crisp they average almost 18 assists per game as a team um only 12 turnovers so you know a one and a half to one or a three to two ratio on assist to turnovers um that's something that Jaden ivy can probably get better at is not turning the ball over as much um but they're just a really fun team to watch. They probably haven't hit their stride yet. Um, I, I just I don't see anybody winning the Big Ten other than them. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, and honestly, not because it's a Ohio State podcast, because we're Ohio State fans, because we are. But right now, I would put Ohio State at that two slot. Um, you know, I, I do think they're the deepest team in the Big Ten. I do think they're the second most talented team in the Big Ten behind Purdue. I think they're very, 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 very well coached, as people are thankfully starting to realize i think um hopefully because i'm sick of seeing chris holtman fired after every bad half they play that's getting frustrating um because if you ask anybody that pays attention to college basketball he's a top 20 coach in the in in the in the sport but you know fire him after a bad niagara half sure um but that is your breakdown of the big 10 i'm glad we got into that yeah i mean we're technically an ohio state podcast but don't ever call us uh you know, we're not just going to yam about Ohio State the whole episode, especially when Ohio State is not even playing basketball. So getting a lot yeah. of getting a lot of if a Purdue or a Michigan State or a Michigan or a Nebraska fan wandered over here, you all you all got you all got some love today. Um, we can close here on something real quick that is Ohio State related. Um, E.J. Liddell went on Bald Men on Campus, which is a podcast by LaFonso Ellis, Jay Billis, and Seth Greenberg. I don't know if you ever listened to them. They're kind of like in the back end of my podcast rotation when I'm caught up on everything else. He went on their podcast today, and they're all really funny dudes. And they asked E.J. a lot of non-basketball stuff. They asked him what his favorite TV show was that he watched this year. They asked him um, if he could be any superhero which one would he be? Because EJ Liddell is a big DC and Marvel guy, which both of us also love both of those. Um, so EJ's favorite show is the flash, which is a DC show that's been running on like the CW for a very long time. And his hero, 
his superhero he would be is he said Hawkeye because he doesn't miss. And he said, I also don't want to miss ever. So Justin, what, um, it doesn't have to be like a Marvel DC thing. So what show did you watch this year? That was your favorite. And if you picked one of the DC or Marvel uh, heroes, which one would you be? Uh, yeah. Show wise is probably only murders in the building on Hulu uh, with Steve Martin and Martin short. Um, I think those are two comedic legends who can do no wrong except Santa Claus three with Martin short. And um, that's also Selena Gomez who's fantastic in it. Uh, so if you haven't checked that out, I would, it's only 10 episodes, kind of one of those limited series they do. Um, superhero wise, that answer is always ever since I was like eight and started reading comics, that answer has always been either Deadpool or Spider-Man. Those have always been my two favorite. Um, I guess I like red. I don't know, but uh, I've always, those have definitely always been the two for me. Okay. Yeah. Deadpool is one of those movies. Like I've watched once and I feel like I, I, I have no desire to watch it a second time, but I'm glad that I did see it. I'm like, I'm, I'm glad that I watched Deadpool, but it's not a very rewatchable movie for me. I love it. I watch it all the time. I would probably go with, um, for sh- the show that I watched this year, that I like the most, I would say, um, designated survivor with Ooh. Kiefer Sutherland. Um, it's a little older. It's not anything new. It's a little older, but basically the gist of it is like, there is a, uh, there's like a, a a lineage of, of who would be the president if like so-and-so died and so-and-so died and so-and-so died. And basically Kiefer Sutherland's character is like 10th down in line and like everybody above him, the president, vice president, all of them, they all die in a big giant disaster and he all of a sudden becomes president. So if you're into politics, that's, that's one that I watched that I thought was really good. And to be one hero I would probably, uh, I guess the first one that comes to mind for me is probably Green Arrow, um, which is also one of the DC shows. Just I think he's he's really really cool. Um, that's the first one that pops up for me. Interesting. Okay. Well, I'm glad glad we figured that out. And also, just a quick thing, I will say on Nebraska because we always you know do a quick rundown of their best players. Um, if you haven't paid attention to them yet, they're a two man show. Very simple. Alonzo Verge, 16 a game, five rebounds, five assists. Bryce McGowan's 15 a game, five rebounds, one assist. That's that's your gist on Nebraska. Derek Walker is nine and six as their third scorer, but Nebraska's Alonzo Verge and Bryce McGowan. So um, we can wrap it up with that. Thank you for listening. As always, uh, make sure to leave a review on Apple Music or Spotify again, wherever you get your, you know, your stuff. Um, and we will, like I said earlier, make sure to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Music so you get notified when new episodes come out. Um, hopefully, we'll have basketball talk about next week, but who even who knows anymore? Yeah, and feel free to follow along on Twitter at Bucketheads. LGHL is our. Main is our Twitter account we use for the podcast. We're very active on that during games, and you know we like to have some discourse and whatnot, some fun, friendly discourse or unfriendly if that's how you roll. You know, um, I ain't gonna run from any smoke. So the website is at landgrant33. That is everything. Um, if you like landgrant holy land, also make sure to check out other uh, podcasts in the landgrant holy land family of podcasts. There's a bunch of them. Um, we put out daily podcasts, so just check them out, especially with the Rose Bowl coming up. 
And you can check me out at Justin underscore Golba Connor. Where are you? I am on Twitter at Lamans underscore Connor, L E M O N S underscore Connor. Um, real quick shout out Kyle Young, who is a dad. Perfect timing to to become a dad is when your team is shut down. It doesn't sound like he's going to miss any games unless he's actually sick, which we don't know. But congratulations to Kyle Young, who is a new dad, and congratulations to former Ohio State point guard C.J. Walker, who just proposed to his girlfriend this past weekend and is going to be getting married. Thanks for listening, everybody. You guys have a great weekend. Have a happy new year. Go Bucks.